All right, let's jump into scriptures together then, okay? Uh, you, um, Vince Lombardi, you know that name? There's this old story. Every football fan has heard it, so I'm not going to tell you anything new here in the next 30 seconds or so. But Vince Lombardi coached the Green Bay Packers back in the 50s and 60s. He would start his summer training camp for his players by holding up a football. These are professional football players. And he would start their summer training camp before the season began. He would hold up a football and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. You've heard that story. Some of you have. Oh, some of you haven't. Oh, how about that? It was new. How about that? So, he, so I mean, you're, you're talking to professional football players, right? They know what a football is, but he says, you got to start right there with the basics, okay? Watch this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Bible. Yeah, I know some of your Bibles don't look like this anymore. Some of your Bibles don't have paper anymore. You got, you got your Bible on your smartphone or your iPad or those kinds of things, but this is a Bible. This is the best-selling book in history. Now, I know that because of studies I've seen, and I know that also because when I was growing up, we had Bibles in my house everywhere. We had Bibles on the shelves. We had Bibles on my parents' nightstand. We had a big Bible, big family Bible on the coffee table in our front room, so everyone knew that we had a Bible. The interesting thing was it's the best-selling book in the history of the world, but it's not always the best read. I mean, right? Those Bibles in my house collected a lot of dust over time. Because we didn't really read them. I didn't know until I was in high school that you could actually read the Bible. And so uh, there are these places in the scripture that are just classic parts of the Bible. And you may know them. You may be familiar with them. You may have read them or maybe you haven't. And I don't know where you are on that whole Bible reading journey. I want to I get you reading the Bible. I want you to not just depend on me, the professional. You know, Vince Lombardi could come to me and go, Pastor Brad, this is the Bible. Yeah, but you know that because you're a professional Christian. Well, not really, right? I do this because I want to. But um, I, want you to, I want you to get these passages in the Bible that are classic descriptions of who God is and classic descriptions of what he wants for us. And I want you to get them into your heart. So we're going to spend some time this summer going through what we're going to call summer classics. We're going to spend five weeks together going through five passages of scripture that I believe you should know. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe you should know these five passages. Probably you've heard all of them before, but possibly you don't know them all, and likely you don't know them all by heart. Now, I don't know if you're going to memorize all five passages that we talk about, but I'm going to invite you to, because I think if you get these things down, they will shape your life. Passages like these have worked their way into the literature of our culture, and they have shaped us. I believe the Bible, more than any other book in the history of the world, has shaped especially Western culture, our culture. But a lot of times, we don't even know where the things came from that shaped us. And so this series, Summer Classics, is just designed for us to be able to go through these things and figure out where they come from and, way more important than where they came from, what do they mean? And how do they shape us? So that's where we're heading in the next um, several weeks. And uh, today, what I want to do is start with Psalm 23. Go ahead. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why are you looking at the camera too? Oh, okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be alone. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me in quiet waters. He restores my soul. He regards me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know it will be here with me. Your rod and your staff, they come with me. Surely, surely, 
prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now my head, you anoint my head with oil. Surely, my cup. My cup, okay. My cup overflows. Surely, yes. Surely, goodness will follow me all the days Surely of my life. goodness and love. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> That's like the best video clip ever. I love that. I lo and, okay, so here's a little girl. How old was she? Three or four. How old are you? Oh, never mind. She knew it. She only needed like three prompts. How many of you know the 23rd Psalm? Now, I don't, I don't mean just like, oh, yeah, I've heard it. You know, oh, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, I get that. You know, I've heard that part. I mean, like, know it. I mean, like, know it in here. Not just know it in here so it's some, some fuzzy sort of way, but I mean, know it. It's fascinating because the 23rd Psalm is so familiar to us because it's this amazing song of comfort, a song of hope, a song of peace, and it's so familiar to us that it has gotten its own title. When you open to the book of Psalms, you come first to what? What's the first thing you come to when you come to, to the beginning of the, of the book of Psalms? Psalm 1. What's after Psalm 1? Psalm 2, right? And it just goes all the way up through that until you get to like Psalm 20, Psalm 21, Psalm 22, then the 23rd Psalm, then Psalm 24, Psalm 25. Psalm 23 gets its own name. You call it the 23rd Psalm. Nobody calls it the 24th Psalm. It's just Psalm 24. But on this one, the 23rd one, we have a name for it. Why? Because there's something about this Psalm that has become a classic. And it's classic for a lot of reasons. It's classic because when you hear it, when you read it, it gives you comfort. When you hear it or you read it, it gives you hope. When you read it or you hear it, it gives you, it gives you peace. It's an amazing statement from God. It's classic. When you, when you just hear the beginning, the Lord is my shepherd, I believe if you're a long-term Christ follower, you probably exhale. The Lord is my shepherd. And you go, oh, I love this one. Because there's something about this one that's different than a lot of the other psalms that you've heard or you've read or you've heard about. This one moves you. And it has moved generations of lovers of God. And there's a reason for that. And what I want to give you in the next few minutes is some of the reasons for that. Why does this psalm move us? Why did it become a classic? Why should you know it? And why should you let it change your soul? What happens when we walk through our lives these days is life sometimes doesn't go according to our plan. You ever notice that? Life doesn't always, I, I could say it this way, life doesn't always go according to plan. But I could say it also this way, life always doesn't go according to plan. Because we which one of your lives has gone according to plan? Which one of you are like, oh, this is where I thought I'd be at this time. This is, what, this is what I thought I'd be doing. This is where I thought my family would be. This is the career I thought I would have. You know, life doesn't go as we planned. My day doesn't even go like I planned it. How many times in my from years have I had a day that actually went like I planned it? Like, I can't remember, you know, because life doesn't go as we plan. Sometimes life goes dry. How hot is it outside today? 
106. Yeah, but it's a dry heat. I told my wife this week, I said, she, you know, I said that, you know, she goes, oh, yeah, but it's a dry heat. I said, hell is a dry heat. She said, how do you know? I'm like, oh, fine. You know what? I don't like it outside right now. Frankly, I just don't like it. And my lawn is getting dry. And, and if I go outside, I get dry. And sometimes life goes dry. Sometimes in here feels and looks exactly like what's out there today. Isn't that how it goes for us? Sometimes life gets dry. Sometimes life gets dark. Nobody likes it when it gets dark. Sometimes things happen in our lives and we walk through a valley of shadows or we walk through a valley of the shadow of death and it's dark. And you go, when you're walking through it, you go, sometime I hope I get out of this. But sometimes life gets so dark that you go in your mind or your heart, you're like, I'm not sure I'm ever going to get through this. Sometimes life goes dark. Sometimes life goes crazy. Anybody ever notice that life goes crazy? Anybody ever have a situation in your life where you just get so overwhelmed with the busyness of life that you can hardly breathe any longer? You're like, when is the pace going to slow down so we can just breathe? Honestly, if you, have, if you have young children, if you have like elementary school or maybe middle school children, that's a, such a busy time of life and you're just running from one practice to another, to a rehearsal, to a game, to, you know, you just got all this stuff going. That's not even your life. That's just driving your child around to their life. And it just gets so busy and sometimes work is so busy that it gets overwhelming. Sometimes life just goes crazy. Sometimes life goes off course. Have you noticed that one? Sometimes we get off track in our lives. We, we sort of wanted to go on a certain path, but little by little, one step at a time, we started veering away from the path that we wanted to be on. And after a while, we looked up and it's like, well, my path is way over there, but the path that I'm really on is way over here. How do I get so far off the path? Sometimes life goes scary. I never, I never thought this would happen to me. But I think I have some enemies. I mean, I, th- I think there's some people that don't like me. I don't get it. I mean, what's not to like? Well, you know, let me point you to some people th- who didn't find anything to like. There's people that um, are not happy with me. They uh, don't, you know, they're not, they're not out to shoot me or run over me with their car. I don't think it's like that kind of enemy, but they're not really happy with choices that I make. Uh, the fact that I follow Jesus and love him and I want to give him my life or, you know, any number of things that might be out there. Sometimes life just goes scary and you have an enemy. And I'm like, really? There's an enemy? Well, there is an enemy. There's a big enemy. It wouldn't be surprising that there were little enemies around. And I I don't like living in that environment. I don't like living with threat or danger, or risk, particularly. Risk I'm okay with. I don't like people that don't like, I don't like it when people don't like me. What's an enemy? So sometimes life goes dry, or off course, or crazy, or scary, all those kinds of things, right? There's a, there's a dozen other things you could describe your life, or the, or the way that life goes. And when life goes in those ways, The psalm writer says, David says, we have a shepherd. 
Now, right off the bat, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, except for maybe you know the passage. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, and you go, oh, I like that part. We don't really know what shepherds are. We don't really engage with shepherds very often. We don't know how sheep behave very often. But that's how the psalm is laid out for us. The Lord is my shepherd. And because of the Lord's actions in my life, that gives me comfort that he's my shepherd. It gives me peace and hope that he's my shepherd. And you come across who this shepherd is in Psalm 23. It is not a great big deal to know the psalm. I would like you to know the psalm. I'd like you to know it by heart. I'm going to ask you in a, in a few minutes to learn it. So just so you know where this is going. But it's not a great big deal to know the psalm. It's a huge big deal to know the shepherd. And if you know the psalm, but you don't know the shepherd, you don't know nothing that really counts. See, it's the action of the shepherd that changes everything for us. It's the actions of the shepherd that made this psalm a classic. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Why? Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures on a day like this are a beautiful place. I have a friend who has in his backyard, he has um, grass, real grass, and real plastic grass. Both, you know, so the the grass is on a lower level, then there's kind of a pedestal up there, and there's plastic grass up there, because you can't really get the mower up there, so they put plastic grass up there, you know, artificial turf, I think is what it's called, and it's much more beautiful today, today than it used to be 40 years ago, but it's still plastic, right? So one day we're at their house, and we, we were, it was summer, so we had our, like, flip-flops on or something. We took our flip-flops off, and for some reason we walked across the grass, and as we're walking across the grass, it was just cool. And I don't mean in like a hip kind of way, I mean like temperature cool. It's just cool. On a hot day, the grass was cool. And then we walked up a couple of steps and got up onto the platform where the artificial grass was, and it was hot. You could barely put your feet on it. And we haven't figured out a way yet to do artificial grass that was cool like real green grass. He makes me lie down in green pastures when my life is crazy. He leads me beside quiet waters. When my life is in a hurry, when I can't stop to breathe, when I can't stop to drink, he leads me beside quiet waters. Often in the scriptures, when you come across a metaphor about water, it'll be the metaphor of the ocean, the, the, the waves of the ocean and, how, and the turmoil of the ocean. There's all this stuff going on in the ocean and it's stormy and it's pushing things back and forth. And that's often the metaphor of water in the scripture. But in this case, the metaphor is this. He, he leads me beside quiet waters. There's a story that says for the Jewish, the Hebrew shepherd, sometimes they would have these creeks that would run through their, through their land and they would want their sheep to get a drink, but sheep are skittish when the water's moving too fast. And so the shepherd will take a hoe or a, an instrument of some kind and just carve a little channel out from the side of the river, the flowing river. And that little channel fills up with water and it's calm. And the sheep will go to that to drink. He leads me beside quiet waters He guides me in paths of righteousness. The word that he used for the path is a Hebrew word that often is translated wagon track. You know how wagons can go across a a piece of land? Maybe maybe it's a road. Maybe they just kind of, you know, how they come across in the Old West. They just came across. There weren't any roads there. They just kind of came across. And one wagon went across and then another wagon behind that one and another wagon behind that one. And after a while, they sort of made their own road. And after a while, that road had wagon tracks in it. 
because the wheels were always the same distance apart from each other, and so they'd make these grooves in the road. That's a wagon track. That's what he says God leads me in. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in a wagon track where it's clear where to go. And righteousness doesn't deviate. It stays on the path, but the problem is I'm the one who goes off the path. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, and I skipped one of his actions. This is one of my favorite ones. He restores my soul. If you've ever been in turmoil in your life and you've come back to the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm, you know what it's like for him to restore your soul. You understand what it's like or how this verse became a classic because that's exactly what we need. I need my soul to be restored. That scripture, that, that verse, that statement, he restores my soul. The word restore is an old Hebrew word. It's the word shuv. It's most commonly translated repent or turn around. Literally what he says is, he turns around my soul. He repents my soul. He restores my soul. He brings me back to him. That's the action that the shepherd takes on my behalf. There's this old song, old church song called a hymn. And uh, we sing it every now and then here. It's got some you know, lyrics today, we go, well, I don't know what that means. But in one part of the song, it, it has this lyric. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I, I don't know, this song is, it's an old song, but it's become one of my favorite songs because it so clearly portrays my heart. You know, and you, you look at me and you go, well, Brad, you, you know, you're up here every week and you're talking about Jesus all the time and, you know, you don't ever go off the track. It's like, oh, I go off the track every single day. I'm pulled off the track every single day. I'm prone to wander. I don't want to. I, I want to love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want there no, to be nothing that gets in the way between God and me. I want there to be nothing that steers me off the track. But I'm prone to wander. And God restores my soul. And every time I do, he does, I go, God, thank you for that. It's why it's a classic. He restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. And what's the result of all of that? He tells us right at the beginning what the result of the fact that the Lord is my shepherd and he has certain actions for me. He tells me right up front, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Now some of you, you'll read that and go, oh, that means if the Lord's my shepherd, I'll get everything I want. Like that Maserati I got my eye on. Actually, I never have my eye on a Maserati because it's so far out there, right? But there's other stuff that I want. It's not saying you'll have all the things you want. He's saying you won't be in want. You won't live in want. You won't live in poverty. You will be enriched by God. He fulfills your need. He fulfills it. Another statement in the 23rd Psalm that describes that, he says, the psalm writer says, my cup overflows. I shall not be in want. My cup overflows. You ever hear anybody talk about like a, a glass that's half empty or a glass that's half full? You ever hear that distinction? I always laugh about that. 
I'm like, why are you giving me just two choices and they're both 50% of life? You, your glass could be half empty, or if you're really good, your glass could be half full. It doesn't really matter. What you have is 50%. Who wants that? How many of you want to be 50% fulfilled in your life? I love it when we have 100% participation. Right? No, nobody wants to give up at half. Nobody wants to say, oh, half, half fulfillment would be pretty good. Sometimes where we are in our lives, when, when life goes dark or life goes crazy, you go, well, right now I take half. But that's not a life. That's not what you want. That's not what you long for. That's not what your heart yearns for. Your heart yearns to be fully filled. David says, my cup overflows. It runs over. You know what that is? For David? Here's David. David was chased around the countryside for years by King Saul. Twice, Saul threw a spear at him, tried to pin him to the wall, tried to run a spear right through his heart. He lived in the desert. He wandered in the wilderness, slept in caves. Wait, but then he says, my cup overflows. What is that? That's a statement of faith. He's not saying, this is what my life is like every single moment. My life's not like that every single moment, but it's a statement of faith where he goes, I believe in my God, my shepherd for this. And I believe when I trust in my shepherd, my cup overflows. So if I'm in the midst of the wilderness, my cup overflows. It's a statement of faith. That that leads you to the secret of the 23rd Psalm. The secret of it, the the key to it, the thing that has made it classic for us is that the 23rd Psalm is a song of faith. It only blesses those people who trust the shepherd. I mean, if you don't trust the shepherd, it's not all that encouraging. It's not all that beautiful. If you don't want to give your life by faith to the shepherd, it's not going to move you. It's nice poetic words, it's nice language, but it's not going to move you. Unless you trust the shepherd. That's why it's so much more important to know the shepherd than to know the psalm. I want you to know the psalm because when you know the psalm, you begin to know the shepherd. Because you know the shepherd only through his actions. You can't see him. You only know him through his actions. The fact that he leads us and guides us and makes us lie down and, and restores our soul. Those are his actions and those are the ways we get to know him. It's a song of faith, and it brings comfort to those who have faith. It brings solace to those who have faith. So when life goes dry or dark or messy or crazy or scary or any of those things, I need a shepherd I can trust. The reason I stand up here week by week and talk to you about these things is because I believe with all of my heart that I have a shepherd that I can trust. And if you have given your life to Jesus and you go, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm trusting Jesus, many of you have come to the place where you know what it's like to have a shepherd that you can trust. And it makes all the difference in the world. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. My cup overflows. If I could... I would, I would sing that song for you. I would state those lyrics and declare those lyrics for you, but I can't do that. I 
think that's why it's in the first person. Because you have to sing the song. You have to know the song. You have to know the lyrics. You have to sing the song of faith about this shepherd. And I believe the more you know the psalm, the better you know the shepherd. And the better you know the shepherd, the more you trust him so that when life goes haywire, when life goes catastrophic, you can still say, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, here's what I want you to do. There are seven days between now and the next time we get together. There are six verses in this psalm, which means if you were to learn one verse a day, you'd have an extra day to review the whole psalm before we get together again next week. It's so familiar to you, you wouldn't even have to work hard. The first verse goes like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Do you know that part yet? So you can just count today as like, it's kind of a bonus day. You already got the first one. So tomorrow you start on verse two. If you did one verse a day, because it's all pretty familiar to you, you did one verse a day, you'd have it down by next weekend. And what would happen? See, this is why I want you to know it, because this is, this is how I live my life. I recite things like this. I meditate on things like this. I pray through things like this. So that the 23rd Psalm is not just some song out there for me. It's a, it's a, it's a prayer in here between, God and, between me and God. And it changes things. It changes me. Not because I just know the, the shepherd. Not because I know the psalm, but because I know the shepherd. All right? Six days to learn it. One day to practice it. Come back together and we've all got it down. Yeah? And thank you. And in the pro- thank you. And then in the process, we're going to get to know the shepherd. And let's see what he does for us. Let's just see if we walk that through by faith. If our cup doesn't overflow. I want to do something before we, uh, before we go on to the Lord's Supper and we talk about the Good Shepherd from a little bit different perspective. Let's, can we just recite that 23rd Psalm together? Just kind of get you started on it. Can we do that? So I'm going to put this up on the screen so you can see it. And uh, we're just going to do the 23rd Psalm together with gusto as a statement of faith. Oh, and you know, if you're, if you're not yet into this, you're like, oh, I'm not a follower of Jesus. He's not really my shepherd yet. You, can, you don't have to read out loud. But if you go, yeah, he's my shepherd, then jump in. Good? All right, let's go. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So be it. Amen. Jesus, thank you for this. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Would you lead us in learning this? Lord, I just, I just think there's something about knowing and loving your word that is life-changing. And knowing you is even more life-changing. So would you lead those in the room that are saying, hey, that's, I'm going to do that this week. And some people would say, oh, I can never memorize things, Lord. But you have made it so familiar to them already that it's not really memorizing. It's just a little bit of relearning. And I pray that you would speak, that your voice would speak through the psalm 
in a classic way to shape our lives as followers of you. Lord, thank you for these things. We honor you together. We love you. Amen.